Today's reading is from uh, John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. The vine and the branches. I am the vine, true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me in me, apart from me in you, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to, to my Lord, uh, Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Thanks, Christine. G'day, morning everyone. Great to see you here this morning. So this morning is a bit of a continuation from last week, which it's always a bit risky to try and connect thoughts over seven days. Um, but, you know, I like to live on the edge. I'm a donkey on the edge, you know. Um, we're going to do our best to connect those things from last. So last week, um, for those of you who are here, you might remember, we looked at the parable of the soils. In Mark chapter 4. 
I've just realized that that's not at the start. There we go. Uh, We looked a bit at the parable of the soils in Mark chapter 4. And we looked at this idea of of the fruitful church. And that successful churches are fruitful churches and fruitful churches multiply. Now the danger with that is that we then can be tempted to think, well, it's just all about numbers. The church that is successful is the one that adds more people to it, and more, the more people you add, the more successful you are. Now, there's nothing wrong with growing numerically, I guess, but it's, it's not just a question of multiplication, but it's a question of multiplication of what? Where we left off last week um, is that we are called to be multiplying disciples of Jesus. Now, this is an important distinction for us um, from just growing numerically because it determines what we focus on. It's just about, uh, if it's just about getting people through the doors to fill up these, these seats here on a Sunday, then our focus will be different. Our focus will be different from if it is about multiplying disciples of Jesus who are sent out to partner with God in His unfolding kingdom. So, depending on how we see that fruitfulness and that successful um, part of the church, nature of the church, will shape what we focus on. Is it just about adding people to, uh, to seats on a Sunday or is it about multiplying disciples of Jesus who are sent out to partner with God? And in that parable in Mark chapter 4 last week we looked at, that we looked at, Jesus talks about the Word of God, the seed which He scatters everywhere. And that seed, the Kingdom of God, the good news, is what multiplies in people's lives. So that good news is not just found in my life, but in the lives of those, of those that I influence and so on and so on. There's a multiplication of those who follow Jesus. And today I want to continue that conversation and talk a bit more about what kind of disciples uh, we are seeking to multiply. As uh, Christine read for us this passage in John 15, it it has a pretty familiar metaphor uh, to many of us, that of the vine and the branches, where Jesus talks about himself as the vine and we who follow him are the branches. And if we remain in him, we will bear much fruit. You might have picked it up as Christine read it. At one point, Jesus says that it's to his Father's glory that you bear much fruit and show yourselves to be his disciples. He wants us to be fruitful and bear much fruit. And as we looked at last week, it's not just the, the, pro, the produce that we are fruitful that then we can eat and consume, um, but it's that it's the idea of the produce that is multiplying is that that goes into next year's sowing. It's that ongoing multiplication of those who follow Jesus. It's not just fruit for ourselves to eat, but it's fruit that will continue that multiplication. And there's a a handful of things in this passage that we can talk about when it comes to remaining in Jesus. So I want to have a bit of a look together. So if you've got your Bibles there, um, have a look with me just, and we're going to just zero in on verses 7 to 10 of chapter 15 there. It says this, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now in verse 7 there, there's, we can see there's some pretty standard type things that we might think of when it comes to remaining in Jesus. Um, and there's a couple of implications just in that one verse alone. The idea that we'll be praying. It says if you um, ask whatever you wish, that we would be asking God for things, that we would actually be praying. Also, that we would be involved in reading the Word of God. This idea that Jesus is saying His Word remains in us. That we are reading, reading His Word. That we are praying that we are reading His Word. And just in that verse alone, we have some of those, I guess, pillars of Christian faith, prayer and reading God's Word. We're also told on a couple of occasions in that passage to obey his commands, to do the things that Jesus has commanded us to do. And here in particular, it talks about the command to love, loving one another. And so even just in those couple of verses here in John 15, we end up with a bit of a list of things to do. Prayer, reading the Bible and obeying the things that Jesus has called us to. I mean, and that's all just in that one verse, in verse 7. And then we get to verse 8, and Jesus wants people to show themselves as his disciples. It's kind of an interesting way of talking about it, isn't it? Showing yourselves to be his disciples. You may have heard this phrase before, this idea that we ought to live faith out loud. That there's more about... It's more about uh, living life in such a way that everyone would know that we were Christians. More than just going about and telling people about Jesus and sharing the gospel. So if those people would ever want to know about Jesus, would ever want to know about Christianity, they knew they would know who to go and ask if we live our faith out loud. It's important to live an authentic life. Christian life, isn't it? And what I mean by that is that the things that we, we believe in, the way we see the world through, uh, through God's Word and what He has uh, said to us, matches our actions. So, for example, we know from, from Scripture that um, every human being is precious to God. Everyone is an image bearer of our Heavenly Father. Everyone matters. So our actions, if that's what we believe, our actions ought to reflect that. That's what it means to live an authentic Christian life. It's a fairly important thing, I think, of being authentic in our, uh, the way we follow Jesus. Now, back in 2017, uh, which for a number of reasons probably feels like a lifetime ago, it's not that long ago, um, there was some research done by an Australian research company called McCrindle Research. And they did a whole bunch of research around faith um, in Australia, faith and belief in Australia. And their research suggests that the top three things that makes exploring faith attractive to Australians, um, you'll see it there, in the middle there, number two, experiencing a personal crisis or trauma. Number three there, that they heard stories about people's lives being changed by the things that they believed. Number one there, the highest uh, ranking response in this research of why 
exploring faith might seem attractive was that they saw people living out a genuine, authentic faith. As I mentioned, this was 2017, it was six years ago, um, but it's, an, it's Australian research. And I would suggest it's still pretty relevant for us to consider. It's interesting that the most attractive factor for Australians to explore faith is when they see people, in the words of Jesus in John 15, show themselves to be his disciples, who live their faith out in such a genuine, authentic, out loud, public way that they are drawn to explore the significance of the claims of Jesus. Now, importantly to remember, if we are to live out our faith in such a way that shows people we are Jesus' disciples, it's actually really hard to do that from a distance, whether that be a physical distance or a relational distance. We need to be in close proximity to those yet to choose to follow Jesus, that our lives are interconnected in order for our genuine, authentic faith to be visible and tangible for people's lives. We might have lots of physical proximity to people yet to choose to follow Jesus, but are we... Do we have that relational proximity? And what I mean by that is, do we actually um, take time to invest in relationships and connections there? Or is it just always just this surface level, friendly hello, wave and a nod? We have an incredible opportunity to not only live out our faith and to share our faith, but to draw people to explore faith as well. But the challenge is for us, is that we can often reduce discipleship to a bunch of things that we do. We reduce it down to to prayer and Bible study and the obedience of the things that God has called us to. And, And that throws a bit of a challenge and some difficulties for us because Jesus says here, the most important thing we can do is to remain in Him. It's so central that Jesus states very clearly, apart from him, we can do nothing. He doesn't kind of leave some things on the side that, you know, these are things that you can do without me, but um, these are the things you can't. He says, without him, we can do nothing. Now, when we consider this and uh, we, we think about our lives, we know that we can actually do lots without Jesus. Um, you know, you're all here this morning, we all woke up and got dressed. I'm not sure if you prayed about what you were to, to wear this morning. You know, Lord Jesus, I can't do anything without you. Please show me the shirt to wear and the shoes to tie up. You know, there's, there's things that we can do without Jesus. But in the context of these verses, Jesus is talking about bearing fruit. That without Jesus, we can bear no fruit. We're not going to see any multiplication in our lives individually or collectively, if we do not remain in Him. Which means that we can actually do a whole bunch of things, prayer, Bible reading, the things of God, without remaining in Him. We can do a bunch of those things without actually remaining in Jesus. Let me put it this way. It's a bit of a, it's not, it, it is a bit of splitting hairs, but it is also an important distinction to make. So I hope uh, you can come with me on, uh, on this point. Reading the Bible 
will not produce fruit in your life. Reading the Bible will help you remain in Jesus. And as you remain in Jesus, you will bear much fruit. Prayer will not bear any fruit in your life. But prayer will help you remain in Jesus. And if you remain in Jesus, you will bear much fruit. Doing good things, whatever it might be, whether it be being kind or practicing patience or self-control, will not bear fruit in your life, but obeying the commands of Jesus will help you remain in Him. And as you remain in Him, you will bear much fruit. It is actually a really important difference. Again, it's important difference because it shapes then what we focus on. Because if we end up, if we end up trying to do things apart from Jesus, we, we end up with this uh, reduction, reductionist type or view of discipleship. It's, it becomes a to-do list. A tick-the-box becomes the focus. That's what we become focused on, just ticking the box. If all I think about when it comes to discipleship is what I can accomplish, then I'm going to have, I'm going to, have to lower my expectations, aren't I? If it's up to me... I will not become much of a better person in my own strength. It's just not going to happen. If I do discipleship in my own strength, I reduce it to something that I can do. That then becomes the standard that I not only hold myself to, but it also then becomes a list and a standard that I hold you to. And all of a sudden, we're in the wonderful world of legalism, aren't we? I've got a list, I've got my standard, you probably have a, have a list and we compare lists and all of a sudden we're in that wonderful world of legalism. I've come up with a, because I've come up with a list that's achievable to me and therefore achievable for you, but I've started to focus on what I am doing, not remaining in Jesus. There's a real subtle but important difference there. I can read the Word of God and it's good, but unless I'm doing so, so I remain in Jesus, it will bear no fruit in my life. I want to um, circle back to something that we talked about last week. The question and the mystery around nature and nurture. We know the deal with, with kids. There's a reason they end up looking like dad or looking like mum or looking like a combination thereof. And there's a whole bunch of things that seem to be natural in our children that seemingly have nothing to do with our influence. That's their nature. But there's also the element of nurture. Where how we raise our children, the sorts of things that we do end up being mimicked and copied in our children. We shape their lives. Just this week, I had a wonderful example of it. Uh, in the afternoon at our house, um, I'd asked the boys to come inside because it was time to get ready for dinner. And Emmerich came in and Chilton didn't. So Emmerich went out and said, Chilton, I've asked you twice already to come inside. And he said it literally. I was like, well, that's an echo. That's exactly how I would say it. Oh, dear. <laughs> it was scary. Um, but we, we get it. There's the nature and nurture component. So if Jesus is going to do his bit to make sure that we bear fruit, the question is still there for us. 
What kind of disciples are we nurturing? We can't just leave it all up to Jesus, or worse, leave it up to you know, the, next, the next pastor or church leaders or whoever. We are responsible for one another, that we encourage each other to remain in Him. I don't know if this has been your experience, um, but for me, generally, the churches that I've been a part of, the nurturing pattern for discipleship seems to be this high freedom, low accountability discipleship. A bit of a, a DIY discipleship. I trust that you are doing it yourself, praying, reading the Bible, the things of God, and likewise, you trust that I'm doing those things. There's no accountability there because you do it your way that works for you and, and uh, we kind of have this uh, unspoken expectation and trust that we're all kind of doing it, which is fine, but it means that we have actually really little opportunity to share with one another. We don't get the opportunity to share what God has been doing in your life. How are you becoming more like Jesus? And if we do do that, we often feel guilty because we focus on what we did not do. How are you going in your faith? Well, I didn't read my Bible as much as I wanted to. I didn't pray for as long as that I really wanted to. I feel like God is trying to, you know, develop a, a, a generous heart within me. But, you know, really this week it's been you know, one step forward, two steps back. And we end up feeling that like, well, actually, I don't want to talk about my failures. I'm not sure why this is, but that's generally been my experience at least. And there's this cycle of guilt that builds a bigger and bigger and bigger barrier for us to even ask anymore. You know, we might just reduce it down to a bit of a wink and a nod on a Sunday. Yep, you know, we don't even actually even talk about it at all because of that that cycle of guilt of building a bigger and bigger barrier. I mean, surely I can't be the only one who has had these types of experiences. So the question is, how do we have conversations about this sort of stuff? How do we talk about what it means to follow Jesus? Well, here in John 15, we're given a way to do that. And it comes down to what we focus on. Instead of asking what you're doing, what are you, you know, what, what are you doing in your life to become more like Jesus? Instead of asking that kind of question, you might want to ask, what's God doing in your life? It changes the, uh, the point of responsibility, doesn't it? It's no longer what you're doing to become a follower of Jesus. It's what God is doing to make you more mature. So if nothing, so if nothing happens, it's His fault? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, maybe not, but it, it does change the conversation. Instead of me asking, how many times did you read the Bible this week? Or how many chapters? We're, we're asking, what's God say, said to you out of His Word lately? Which then changes even perhaps the way we read the Word. We're actually coming to the Word and asking God, what do you have for me in this? Not, I've got to get through this many chapters and this many, you know, I've got to tick my list of the amount of verses I'm reading this day. We're actually coming to the Word and asking God, what do you have for me in this? 
We're not just asking what the passage means, but we're asking, is there anything in this for me to do? Is there some way I need to pray in response to this? Or is it leading me to a command of of praise or, or worship? And likewise, with prayer. Instead of asking how many times did you pray or for how long did you pray, what's God laid on your heart to pray about? Then take some time. You know, we might take some time before we pray. Lord, what do you want me to pray about? And for me, it becomes a little bit easier then to share about. What's God been saying to you through His Word? Well, He's been reminding me just how important Jesus is. Or He's been reminding me about the fact that I can come to Him with anything. Um, I've just come out of a, a bit of a time where I did not read the Bible much at all. I don't know why, um, but it just kind of stopped being something that I did. I've, I've recently started again and, and I decided to read through Genesis, mainly because I really um, wanted to f- read and uh, reflect on the story of Joseph again. There's a few things in that story that I really love, so I wanted to read that, but I figured, well, I may as well just start at the beginning of the book. And it's been incredible, actually, that what God has reminded me is that life is messy. I don't know when the last time you read Genesis is, but it's messed up. Like, the amount that life described there in Genesis is just all sorts of mess. And it's been a real eye-opener. Um, but it's a reminder that life is messy, but the, the point of the, the stories are that God is still at work. God is at work. His plans and purposes are being worked out through that mess. So it's not about how often I've read Genesis or how many chapters I've read or telling you the, the schedule that I've followed. There is no schedule really, but I've you know, been um, reading through it. But it becomes about what has God been saying to me through His Word. It's a bit easier to talk about. And if we can talk about it, then it's going to, we're actually going to be encouraging each other to remain in Jesus. You know, you, instead of asking about how, how long you're the prayers are that you pray or, or how often that you pray. You might ask someone, what's God been laying on your heart to pray about? Asking a question like that might draw a response like, well, I've actually been drawn to pray for our local government for some strange reason or I've been praying for my, my grandchildren in a particular way. I mean, I always pray for them, but I've been praying for them in a particular way this week. This places the emphasis that we can talk about what God is doing instead of trying to compare our to-do lists. What's Jesus trying to do in your life to bring you to maturity? Well, I, I think He's trying to make me more patient and, you know, He's working on it. Now we can talk about God and we can talk about what He's doing and a little bit less about us. As we pray, as we read the Bible, as we do the things God has called us to do, we remain in Jesus and then we will bear much fruit. Let's keep talking about this because it's too important for us. 
A church is marked by the disciples that it nurtures. Not by its size, not by its list of programs or its services, but the quality and character of the disciples it produces, that it nurtures. This is too important for us not to keep having this conversation. So as we consider this week about remaining in Jesus, not getting our to-do list out, not making, about what, not making it about what we can and can't do ourselves, but actually about remaining in Jesus to bear much fruit. Can I encourage you to ask at least someone a question like this at some point this week? What's God doing in your life right now? You might ask, what's he shown you in his word? What what has he placed on your heart to be in prayer about? Because as we start to have that conversation, it's actually an expression of the command that Jesus gives us here to love one another. And as we do that, Each of us will remain in Jesus and we will bear much fruit for for God's glory as we show ourselves, as we show ourselves as Jesus' disciples. I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, a bit of a a prayer of response perhaps, um, and then I'm going to invite the music team up afterwards to um, lead us in a song. So let's just take a moment to pray, to focus our hearts and our minds on God. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we want to remember and declare again that you are the vine and we are the branches. Lord Jesus, would you forgive us the times in which we have reduced following you to a to-do list. Show us again what it means to remain in you. Enable us once again more and more to show ourselves through how we talk, how we act, how we live. May we show ourselves to be your disciples. And Lord Jesus, as we seek to remain in you, may you do what you do and bear much fruit. Heavenly Father, would you make us one as you, the Spirit and the Son, are one. We ask that you would answer that prayer that Jesus prayed, recorded for us in John 17. You would make us one as you are one. Lord God, would you remove the barriers of guilt and fear that we might begin again to have 
these types of conversations. Perhaps in this moment, God is placing a face or a name before you. You could ask of them, what's God doing in your life right now? Tell me, what, what's on your heart to be praying about at the moment? Lord God, we cannot do this on our own. We cannot do this in our own strength. We acknowledge our need for you. Show us the way this week. Highlight those opportunities that we have and give us the courage to step into those opportunities. And as we lift our eyes to you, Lord God, this week, may we know your leading and your guiding. We need you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite the music team. They're going to come and. Uh